0: Welcome back to Dear Founder. I can't wait for you to meet today's founder as she has revolutionized the bridesmaid's dress industry. I'm your host, Lindsay Pinchuk, and let's be honest, how many of you have been victim of a god-awful bridesmaid dress? We've all been there. Well, with today's story, expensive and ugly bridesmaid dresses are no more. Every dress in the Birdie Gray line is under $99. Wait until you hear this story. If today's conversation inspires you, I want you to share it with a friend or share it on social media. Tag me, I will absolutely reshare it or come say hi. Please make sure to leave a review on Apple or subscribe to the show. All of the conversations that we have here with these incredible female founders are so important. And they're so important for as many people to hear them as possible. And when you do little things like share the episode or leave a review or or rate rate the podcast, it really helps to spread the knowledge and wisdom that we share here through all of these incredible stories. It also helps our community grow. And most important, it helps our mission to support as many female entrepreneurs and founders as we possibly can. So thank you for being here and thank you for listening. Today's guest, Grace Lee, is the founder and CEO of Birdie Gray, a direct-to-consumer bridal brand on a mission to change the way women shop for their weddings. A longtime veteran in fashion and beauty, Grace began her career at InStyle Magazine as a writer and reporter. She's also worked for Kate Spade, Kate Somerville, and Stila Cosmetics where she managed the copy, social media, and digital content, helping bring an editorial voice to each and every one of those brands. Please come on in and meet the amazing Grace Lee. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I'm very excited about today's guest because we actually have not had that many founders in the wedding space on the podcast, and hopefully we'll be changing that. But um Grace Lee is the founder of Birdie Grey and I wish Birdie Grey was around 20 years ago when I got married and when I was a bridesmaid and as soon as you hear what Birdie Grey is you will wish that too. So Grace welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you so much Lindsay. I'm so excited to be here. And I love what you do because I feel and and I don't want to steal your thunder because I'm going to let you tell your story in a minute but every woman out there can sympathize with the reason that you started your company. And so I want you to tell us about Birdie Gray, what you do and how you got here.
1: Sure. Thank you so much. It's so funny because everyone I talk to, when I tell them about Birdie Gray, they say the same thing. They're like, why weren't you around when I got married? And honestly, so let me back up. So Birdie Gray is a direct-to-consumer Trust brand. Uh, We launched back in 2017. And what sets us apart is that every single one of our dresses are $99. Industry average is 140. And so that gives you some context for where we play. But I think that the universal truth is, is that no, no matter what your budget is, nobody wants to spend too much on a bridesmaid's dress that you'll likely only wear once. And I got the idea to start the birdie gray, to start birdie gray after having been a bridesmaid six times myself. And in the last wedding I was in, in the spring of 2017, I was like, "Oh my gosh, why are these dresses so expensive? Why do we all have to go to a bridal store? Why do we have to like order six months in advance and sign a contract saying that we'll never return or exchange them?" It was just such a a, a broken shopping experience to me, and I felt like you know we live in a world, we live in an Amazon world where you know you expect things to arrive quickly, but beyond that, it's just I felt like no one in the bridal party dressing space was really catering to the way women shop, right? Or millennial women at the time. Now we're starting to see a lot more Gen Z shoppers and their consuming habits are even more different. But I just felt like there was just so much white space there. And so, you know, my background is in fashion and beauty. I started out my career as a writer and reporter at InStyle magazine, where I covered, you know, lifestyle, fashion, beauty, and really fell in love with the art of storytelling. Um, I then went to go work in-house for a handful of brands like Kate Spade New York. When I moved to LA, I worked for a couple beauty brands doing copywriting, digital marketing, social media, and content. Along the way, I really fell in love with e-commerce. I love, love brand storytelling. When I got the idea to start Birdie Gray, I was like, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to do it. I think a hundred dollar dress is like the sweet spot for what someone's willing to pay. I want our dresses to be in stock and ready to ship. I don't want it to be made to order. I don't want people to have to wait long lead times and get locked into a dress that they don't want because, and aren't able to return our exchange. And so Birdie Gray was born.
0: I love that. And like I said, as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about, oh my God, like I can't even tell you how many of my friends and I love them. They're my best friends. But, you know, we bought Vera Wang bridesmaids dresses. Yeah, and they were like. Ugly. 200, yeah,
1: 200, <laughs> 200,
0: 200 is plus. The, like, yeah. no, they were like 300 plus and they were not pretty. And like, you know, and, and it just like to your point, you wore them once. And, yeah, you know, it's and, you know, my bridesmaids dresses were also expensive. I gave my bridesmaids a choice, but mm-hmm. it was just you know, it it was like, like, I just wish that, like, I wish we had had something like this. So, okay. So when you had the idea for this, how do you then get started with this? Because there's inventory, there's oh, yeah. designs. I mean, there are so many different things. Like there are so many things that have to happen to take your idea from an idea to an actual product that you can put out in the world.
1: Yeah, for so sure. What happens? So, I mean, for me, I was like, I I was very scrappy. I got the idea and I was like, I'm going to need to source product. And so I was able to source product relatively quickly to get the company off the ground. Um, And, you know, I had never been a very entrepreneurial person, but I knew I had a good idea. And I always knew, you know, what I wanted to do one day if I ever started my own brand. Like, I'm a total brand first person. And so I knew what I wanted the aesthetic to look like, I knew what I wanted you know, the voice and tone of the brand to be. And so once I was able to source product, you know, I put together a photo shoot. I was like bootstrapping. My family gave me, you know, a very small seed funding and I just went for it. Um, It was a really big sort of change for me. I was always a very structured of corporate person and to go off on my own, you know, quit my job to pursue this was very scary, but I just knew that we had great product market fit. And if I was feeling this way, millions of other women must be feeling the same way too with their bridesmaid dresses. And to be honest, we were right.
0: (laughs) So when you say you were, you had to source product, where did you source product from? Like how, what was that process? Because that's not an easy process by any stretch of the imagination.
1: It's not an easy process. Um, I mean, I was looking online. I was going, you know, downtown LA. We, our product sourcing is much different now and we go direct to factory for everything. But you know, when we first started, I was just sourcing in market.
0: That's amazing. So when you first launched, what did you do? How did you get customers? Where did they come from?
1: Yeah. What was the plan? That's the crazy thing. So in my past life as a social media manager, I kind of knew how to use, you know, Facebook ad manager. We always worked with agencies and there are other performance marketers on the team managing that, but I was familiar with Facebook's, you know, ads platform. And so I started running $10 a day, Instagram ads, (laughs) um, just, you know, with our creative and just driving to the website. And that's how we acquired um, our early customers. You know, our marketing mix looks very different now, but in our first year, I was spending anywhere between 10 and $35 a day on Instagram ads. And we got, you know, 20,000 dress orders in our first year. Wow. Yeah. So that's the power of, of, of Instagram and Facebook. I feel like a lot has changed now with the recent iOS updates and things like that. But back in 2017, where it was still very much kind of like the wild west, you can get a lot with very little spend. Do you think, yes, that I very
0: much remember those days, but do you think though, that a lot of your customers also came to you from word of mouth? I mean, I feel like the wedding industry is a very word of mouth industry. It's like this, it's life stage, right? So it's like, this works, you should use this. And and yes, you were running ads, but you know once yeah. someone buys a dress because they're in a wedding and then they get married and then they you know it's it's very easy to have that snowball effect in a life stage business
1: Oh, yeah. Word of mouth is huge in the wedding industry. And now our acquisition strategy is different. So it is a mix of um, organic sort of word of mouth and paid. But, you know, when we're getting the brand off the ground, no one knew who we were. They hadn't had experiences with us. Um, You know, we didn't have a huge social audience. And so the only way to acquire new customers was really through our Instagram ads. (laughs) When you were when you
0: say you were getting the brand off the ground what did it look like in terms of your team was it just you did you have
1: help from anyone else um like what did this look like Yeah so in the early early days in our first year and I I consider our first year to be you know establishing proof of concept right it was literally me plus two co- coordinators who were 1099 contractors doing everything. So once the website was launched, we packed and shipped dresses from my living room floor. We cut up actual dresses to make color swatches because a lot of brides were asking, you know, I want a color swatch. I want to see fabric and, you know, touch um, before, see color and touch fabric before I purchase. And so we were hand cutting swatches, we're packing and shipping. And when we weren't doing that, we were fielding customer service like inquiries. And so I always say I have the utmost respect for People on our operations team and people on our customer service team, because that really is the backbone of the business. You can have a great brand and a great product, but if you don't have your your operations set up properly, or if you're not, you know, communicating with your customers in a timely manner, you have no business.
0: If your customer service sucks, you have no business. Especially exactly. in the wedding space. I mean, and that's that goes back to word of mouth, 100%. right? Because that's something that people share. I mean, yeah, you, right. So, what does your team look like now?
1: So now we are um 47 full-time employees strong and it's been in in fall of this year we'll be celebrating our 5th anniversary. So congratulations. Thank you. It's
0: really amazing. So you talked a little bit about how your products now are obviously direct to factory. Talk a little bit um to me about how that what the evolution of that was and how how did you like go from sourcing to creating your own and what does that look like now? Because it's it's obviously a very different process from five years ago. And five years ago is like, I mean, kudos to you because that's like not that long ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know. know? I know. It seems like just yesterday and it seems like 10 years ago when I look back. So much has changed since we first launched, but yeah, very quickly, once we were able to establish proof of concept, I brought on my co-founder and COO, um, who also happens to be my best friend. Um, and so the first order of business was bringing her on and, you know, finding factories. And so we, um, we were able to find, uh, new factories and we, developed, um, our products. We still design and develop everything here in LA, um, and we produce overseas. And so we rolled over our supply chain pretty, pretty quickly. Guess what? I have
0: a couple spots open on my coaching calendar starting November 1st. Many of you have asked how you can work with me one-to-one to build your community through sustainable social media practices, partnerships, and collaborations, email marketing, and more. Earlier this summer when I announced I was taking clients, the spots filled up in less than a week. I've taken on many clients since then and my calendar has been pretty full until now. But the good news is that my calendar is opening up a little bit and I'll be taking on a couple of new clients later this fall before the holidays just in time for the new year. So if you're interested, grab 30 minutes from the link in my show notes, and let's talk about how we can work together to build your community for bottom line growth. I cannot wait to meet you. How did you know how to like deal with supply that? chain? <laughs> you know, because, yeah. like, because you think about it and it's like your background is in writing. I mean, and yeah. like media. And like, you know, and I think a lot, it, you know, and I ask that and I know it seems like such a you know, it's like it's it, it, it seems like an obvious question, I guess. But at the at the same time, it's not obvious. Like there are so many people who have ideas and that's where they get stuck, you know, yeah. because they don't know. That's why I'm pushing you so much on the process. No, I because know people just don't know where to go or what to do or how do you source or, you know, like how did you understand the supply chain and like moving it over? Because that's a that's a, a beast within
1: itself it's a beast and i had no idea you're right i am a brand person i'm a content person my business partner is strategy her background it's very she's she's a total operator but you know she was like an ex mckinsey consultant but the two of us together we just figure shit out <laughs> i think we're really good at doing that i mean we only know what we know right but um we got some good guidance from our investors so you know as soon as i brought on a co-founder we raised um we did a friends and family sort of angel round um, of funding, and we were smart enough to bring on strategic investors who had experience in manufacturing, and they l- helped guide us. It was still a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of Googling, a lot of reading and listening to podcasts and trying to understand how other companies have done it. But we did have the benefit of having you know great advisors on our side, um, helping us sort of guide us through. Let's talk a little bit about that,
0: because I think that a lot of times there is a misconception of you raise money and you get this check and this is what you're going to do with it. But it's not always just about the money. And really and truly, the advisors and the mentors and the connections and the networks are just as important as the check that you're receiving from an investor. And so talk a little bit about how that's impacted your business, because I think that too, you know, people just like want the check and they don't realize that they need the other stuff too.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I think in, for anyone who's out there thinking about fundraising or currently in the process of fundraising, definitely look to the people who can be strategic to your business. So if you're an apparel business, like we are like, see if there's any investors who's, you know, focus on consumer and who have like a network of founders that you can lean on. I feel like one of our, Main investors has a great network of CEOs. We're constantly emailing each other every day, just asking random questions. Or if you have a digital product, you know, um, look to the sort of VCs or investors who have um, a lot of expertise in in e-commerce or you know whatever like SaaS or whatever it might be. Um, I mean, there's countless times that we've asked our investors for help, whether it is hiring, sourcing, you know, digital marketing, and they've really delivered. The great thing about your investors is that they're rooting for you. They want you to succeed. They have skin in the game, and so they want you to succeed, and oftentimes they'll lead you in the right direction. Um, on the flip side of that, it can be hard if you have an investor who doesn't believe in your vision or has a different vision for your company, and that's a whole nother conversation. But um, you know, for us, like it was really important for us to bring on people who could be strategic, and it's definitely paid off.
0: So I know we're not going to talk about hard numbers. I'm not going to ask you about hard numbers, but can you talk about growth year over year in terms of percentages or I just want, I want people to understand how big your brand is because five years, like I said, is really not a long time. And you said you had 20,000 orders in the first year. Like where are we now in terms of growth?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we've been growing double or triple, uh, double digit or triple digit growth year over year. Um, shockingly, even during COVID. So I was going
0: to ask, pandemic you, like, was of hard. course, like the pandemic was insane for, we- for everyone and especially the wedding industry, because everything I know in the event space halted. But now yeah. I feel like it's like come back tenfold, right?
1: Yeah, this is 2022 is the wedding boom. There's 25% more weddings this year than, you know, in the past 10 years. So it's a great time to be in weddings. I will say on the flip side, 2020 was really hard. You know, the pandemic really affected our business. Everyone in the bridal industry, anyone who had an events-based business got impacted. And we saw that pretty much overnight. Um, that said, we had the benefit of being direct-to-consumer Um and we realized that people aren't. Yes, weddings are getting postponed. Very few weddings were actually canceled. A lot of people postponed them or just had them in a different way, whether it was a virtual wedding and then you know the big party later, whatever it was. And so people were still actively planning their weddings. They weren't going in stores like they were in the past, but they're all going online. And I feel like you know we've sort of carved out a niche for ourselves as being the DTC bridesmaids dress leader. And so uh, there was a lot of that. Also, you know, unlike tuxedo rentals or you know where you're kind of renting right before the event, for us, our customers are buying their bridesmaids dresses anywhere between three to six months before the wedding date, and so that really helped our business grow. Um, and you know, finally, I, it was interesting. I was very surprised, but you know, fifty percent of weddings got postponed or canceled, but fifty percent of weddings still happened during the pandemic, and so you know, people were still planning their weddings. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, 2020 was a really interesting year, year I'd say, overall.
0: Let's talk a little bit about DD, direct-to-consumer DTC, because I think that that is a decision that brands have to make when, mm-hmm. they're, when they're rolling a product out. And, you know, I think there are a lot of brands who do both. Um, I very specifically remember going to a store. I do not remember what it was called for a bridesmaid's dress. Mm -hmm. And it was like, we went to the store and we had to try on like the styles Mm -hmm. and they had the colors and then they like made it for us. Like, so I remember that. And then it's no longer, it's no longer there. So, you know, I like, I, buying a dress is also very different than like buying a stroller direct to consumer. Do you know what I yeah. mean? It's something yeah. you're wearing. So like, how has, how has this decision impacted your business? And like, do you ever see yourself putting your product in stores as well?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I get asked that a lot. I think a lot of, you know, DTC brands are thinking about a retail strategy, just given how digital marketing has, you know, become so expensive or, you know, the landscape has just kind of changed. It's almost like what's old is new again, right? And so um, from a customer acquisition perspective, and so it is something that we've thought a lot about. I will say, I mean, you know, our, our margins are not set up for wholesale retail. And so there's that. Um, I'm not really in the I'm not super interested in opening a bunch of stores, but we have dabbled. So we're we're currently partnered with a company called Neighborhood Goods. They have showrooms in Texas, New York, and they're opening in California. And so our dresses are on display. Um, and so if someone wants to go in, see, touch, feel, try on, they can. But they ultimately end up ordering, you know, online. Um, you know, I think there's still a lot of growth for us to be had online. And so I'm not in a rush to open stores yet. But you know, never say never.
0: One of the other things that you talked about at the top of our conversation are keeping up with the shopping habits. And, mm-hmm. you know, now your customer is Gen Z. And I I want to ask about this and how you are changing and adapting to meet the needs of the changing customer. Because yeah. when I had Bump Club, I was in a life stage business as well. And the shopping and consumption habits of moms changed greatly, drastically, and many times over the 10 years that I was at the helm of that business. And Mm -hmm. I just remember like many brainstorming sessions like, okay, well, moms are not doing X, Y, and Z the way they did four years ago or two years ago. So how are you keeping up with those changing habits in order to meet Z where they are?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think it really starts with product assortment. So there's not a ton of trends or seasonality in bridal. You can almost consider a bridesmaids dress a basic, right? But trends do shift. So, you know, in the last five years, you know, whether it's, pastel color palettes or, you know, floor length traditional chiffon dresses or everyone wearing the same dress or even just the same color um, has sort of been the 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 way people dress their bridal parties. We're starting to see people get a lot more creative and have fun with color palettes and mix and match. So, Rarely do I ever see you know, a single bridal party wearing the same color, same dress. Uh, brides are still mix and matching their palettes. They're playing around with different headlines. You know, we offer our dresses in you know, ruffled, romantic, floor-length pastel colors. We also have sexier cuts with a slit. And we're seeing bridal parties mix and match those dresses within the same bridal party. And as our customer evolves, it's more and more important for us to play around with the silhouettes and the fabrics and the headlines that that the customer is asking for, we do a lot of polling and customer surveying. Whether it's like an Instagram poll, a SurveyMonkey, or even like proxy surveying, where we ask the people, "What do you want? What colors do you want? What silhouettes do you want? Like, what's your vibe?" And all of that informs our um, product development choices and, quite frankly, how we build, you know, co- company policies and pretty much everything. We use the customer feedback loop for every part of, of our decision making process at pretty gray.
0: So what's next for you guys? I mean, are you going to only stay in the dress space? Are you going to offer more? Are you going to, I mean, what's next? Because I feel like with a life stage business too, there's always opportunity for expansion and, um, you just never know. Right.
1: Yeah. You know, our goal is to really become the category leader for all bridal party needs. And so there's so much more beyond the bridesmaids dress, um, where we can go, um, and you know, we've already introduced um, many new categories on our site. Whether it is gifting, we have a fun monogram shop so that you can get robes and PJs monogrammed with people's names great gifting opportunity. It's great for the bachelorette party. We have shoes to wear with your bridesmaids dress, uh, that are engineered with like extra soft padding, just knowing that as a bridesmaid, you're going to be on your feet all day. You know, our most popular styles are like a lower block heel. Um, and so, you know, we design everything with the, with the bridesmaid in mind. Um, we have jewelry, um, you know, we recently were launching clutches, um, you know, we have shawls, we have a bunch of fun categories to help her get dressed for the day. We're going to introduce shapewear. Uh, you know, there's a lot of shapewear questions. We We launched satin as a new fabric earlier this year or late last year. And the first question so many of our customers would ask, like, what am I supposed to wear underneath your satin dress, right? And so we're introducing shapewear. Um, To help her complete the look. So there's a lot of, you know, ways we can go. We're already kind of, you know, the testing into new categories. Groomsman is also a huge opportunity. We actually sell groomsman ties that are dyed to match our dresses. And, you know, that's been a great business for us.
0: The best part? There's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FoundHer and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. This is a question that I'm curious about, just coming from where I came from. And Mm -hmm. If you don't want to answer it or you can't answer it or whatever, I just want to tell you I'll cut it out. But I'm very curious. So you have a lot of information about your customer Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: your customer is getting married and next they will likely have babies and they will be doing other things. Are you have you ever thought to create a revenue stream to monetize the information that you have on your customer? Because. I will tell you right now that I know people would want it. (laughs)
1: That's so interesting. No, I can genuinely say we have not thought about monetizing customer information. Truly. I mean, we've thought about maybe, you know, creating products to cater to her different life stages. And so, you know, for example, prom or sorority dressing for, you know, different formal events where like, oh, our dresses are kind of, you know, conducive to that or, you know, maternity or, you know, baby, but no, I mean, that's the extent of it. I mean, you know, we've all agreed that we want to stay hyper-focused on bridal party dresses.
0: Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's the information that you get from your customers. It's insane. I mean, it's, it's insanely valuable. Just so you well, know. what's
1: interesting is our, the average age of our customer. So a lot of brands will say our customer is a millennial female, but truly it's, you know, it might not exactly be that but Right. because our business is so focused on a very specific life stage. Like our customers are 28 years old. We know like her, the average age is 28, Um, you know, a, a majority of our customers are in this very specific life stage. And so we do have that information, but I don't, I've never thought of monetizing it. I was just curious. Yeah, <laughs>
0: if you ever sell your company, that's a huge asset. Just so you know.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Notice. We can have an offline
0: conversation about that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, and
0: then the last thing I want to ask you before I ask you my last question is, I would love for yeah. you to talk about, um, or I I don't even know if this is something that you do, but like. Do do partnerships in order for in order to grow. I mean, I think like I always think that in a especially in a life stage business, partnerships are so important because there's so many natural other like companies that you can be working with to grow your footprint. So I, if that is a part of your marketing plan, I would love for you to touch a little bit upon that because I think that it's often overlooked and it's so important.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because there is a huge opportunity, especially in bridal for us to like so many synergies with other bridal companies where we're not competing, but we're, you know, we're all looking to get the attention of the same customer who's the bride. Um, We Historically, have not focused on partnerships, but this year we brought on our very first brand marketing manager, and she's been tasked with really firing up a partnership strategy for us. And so, I think that there's incredible opportunity to to work with like the Zolas or the Minteds of the world, you know. Um, so we're just starting to test out our partnership strategy. Another big part of our growth is um, comes from influencer marketing. So since day one, we've been partnering with influencers and we've dressed hundreds of influencers to date uh, for their bridal parties. Um, and so that's a big part of our growth strategy. Influencers are a trip, aren't they? Yeah, <laughs> we just had an influencer dinner last night to celebrate the launch of a summer collection. But
0: I mean, I would gather to say that, especially in bridal, you get so much business from the influencers who share your products and it's such a visual product as well. So 100 professional pictures, it's like, yeah, it's really an amazing built-in strategy because they're already taking professional pictures. They already have the content and it's, it's very easy to
1: execute on. Right. Our UGC is so strong, not only with influencers, but with The community people love sharing their wedding photos with us. It is, you know, their special day. They love being featured on our feed. It's just like built in content. I love let's talk
0: (laughs) about that before I ask this last question, then, because community is my thing. That is obviously Mm -hmm. I build communities, that's what I do. So when you first started this, was that something that you were like, oh, okay, like we need to build a community, or was it something that it was just very natural? And Bertie Gray's community organically came about as people were buying your product, wearing them to their wedding, and sharing their pictures online. I mean, like, and and regardless of which avenue it it was, how are you capitalizing on that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good question. I will say it's a bit of both. So, you know, with my background, I love connecting. I love engaging and I love building community. And I've been doing that for all the other brands that I was working for. And so it was really important for, for me to launch Birdie Gray with that sort of mindset. I knew that we would get beautiful photos that we can leverage on our channels, but I don't think I fully realized it until they started coming in. I mean, if you look at, the number of pictures that were tagged in from people's weddings, it is incredible on Instagram. And so I'd say it's both. Um, community is is really important. And, you know, I think Instagram has been such a big focus for us. And that's, you know, that's how we, you know, $10 a day on Instagram ads. That's how people were discovering us and falling in love with our brand. But we now have our eyes set on TikTok. There's a whole wedding community, wedding talk, um, hashtag like wed talk. That um, people who are just like sharing their wedding tips and dropping their knowledge on, on TikTok, we haven't been able to successfully tap into it yet. But this year we hired our first social media manager and she's been tasked with that. But I think overall community is so, so, so important, especially knowing that um, word of mouth is so huge within the bridal community. Um, You know, 68, 65 percent of our customers have recommended Birdie Gray to their friends and family. And so, you know, that just goes to show that that um, word of mouth is huge.
0: You should be so proud of yourself. I mean, really. Thank you. Thank you so much like the fact that you've come as far as you've come in such a short time, I, I can't wait to see where it goes. You know, I, I'm really and truly like I think it's it's amazing what you've done and what you've built. Um, Thank you and so, so much. before I, mean, I before I let you go, though, I want to uh-huh. I'm going to ask you what I ask everyone at the end. And that is what are three actionable tips that you would recommend to another entrepreneur, or female founder who's just getting started?
1: Mm, okay. One is get a good lawyer to help you set up your business properly. Um, you know, when we first started, I was an LLC. When I brought on my business partner, we um, we formalized as a, a Delaware C Corp. Um, and I couldn't have done that properly without the help of a lawyer. So I say that. <laughs> Two, um, make sure you have really good product market fit. Like you can have a great idea, you can have tons of Funding, but if really there's no need for your product in the market, like it's going to be hard to get customers. Um, three, keep a close eye on your customer acquisition costs. I think, you know, for a long time, especially if you're going the VC path and you're just hyper focused on growth, I think a lot of VCs were encouraging that in the last, you know, couple of years. But as we're heading into a different sort of Environment. Um, a lot of people are focusing on profitability. Us too. Like it. It's just. I think it's really important to build your business on a strong foundation versus just staying focused on growth and figuring out how you're going to make it profitable later. Does that Grace, make sense?
0: Yep. <laughs> it does make sense. Grace Lee, founder of Birdie Gray, Thank you so much for being here and for sharing thank your knowledge. You. And I'm so excited to share your story with our listeners.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. This is so much fun. Of course. I told you
0: that this story was a fascinating one, and how many of you have said in your head since this episode started, gosh, I wish that this existed when I got married, gosh, I wish this existed when my friends got married, birdie gray is an incredible concept, and I really and truly only hope to see it grow, 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 because it also helps So many women as they're in a life stage of consumption through their through the weddings of their friends and themselves and they it really helps to keep the cost down and i i just love what grace has done here and i am so proud to be sharing her story i told you that you'd walk away with a ton of information from today's conversation there were really so many takeaways As always, I'll be sending them out to my entire email list, so make sure that you subscribe because when you do, you also get a lesson every single week to help you grow your business. But for now, here are my five top takeaways from today's episode. Number one, customer service is the backbone to your business. It guarantees you word-of-mouth marketing. Your customer experience is everything. Number two, survey your customers, colors, styles, shapes, etc. All of these answers can help you to form product development choices for your company number three think about product extensions that make sense for your customer in a life stage product how can you extend what you're offering in order to grow your bottom line make products that simply make sense and are a no-brainer for your customers to purchase when they're purchasing your hero product number four Synergies with other companies in your life stage is a huge opportunity. When you're looking to gain the attention of the same customers as other companies who aren't competitive, you can really grow your brand. And number five, user generated content is especially important. The Birdie Gray community shares their photos because they want to be featured, and Birdie Gray features them. So not only do they get content from their users, but They also get the exposure and the word of mouth marketing. A community mindset is so important for a life stage business. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure you take out that phone, scroll all the way down and click that five-star rating or leave a review so that others can find us. We have some incredible guests coming up and we are on the road to our 100th episode. Please make sure that you subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever it is that you listen. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who has an idea, please make sure that you text them this episode. Tag me on Instagram. I'll make sure to share some of those. But for now, please stay tuned for another episode of Dear Found Her coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.